Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This is Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends out there? This is another beautiful, tremendous episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Nate, and across from me is the one and only Charles Lawrence Thompson. How's it going over there, man? You know, everybody's talking about it. Yeah. This is the, the biggest and the greatest. It's the huge. Yeah. Huge and wonderful Yeah, I podcast. love it. Per- perfect, uh, completely flawless episode. It's historical, yeah. really. It, it really it's, is. Yeah. You're, you're never going to beat it. No. And no one can hang with my stuff. <laughs> okay, you're just not going to. Guys, subscribe to this podcast. A lot of y'all listen. Y'all, I said y'all because we are coming at you from Nashville, Tennessee. And we've been here for 10 years now. So I've adopted the local culture here. Actually, I think you're required to say y'all. You have to. After you have being to. 10, year, 10 years in I, this... In God's country, really. <laughs> you, you're now required to say y'all. I honestly, I think I said y'all before we moved down here because oddly enough, we're from Illinois, but I swear this, the part of Southern Illinois that we are from is more hick country than even the parts of Tennessee that we've been in. To I don't tell even you the know truth. how we talk so good anyway. I know. <laughs> I read good. I talk good. Yeah. Yeah. We just do all that stuff. Guys. If you are listening on our website, which a lot of you people do, you found an article, you're listening on the website, subscribe to the Good Morning Liberty podcast. We do a new episode every single day of the week that Charlie feels like it, and <laughs> we will continue bringing you this liberty all the time. I had surgery. I know. I know. By the way, the re-good thing reminds me of Zoolander. Yeah. <laughs> the center for kids who... Uh, don't read so good. <laughs> don't know how to read good. And it's, yeah. remember, it's a small building, and he like... What? They can't even get what is this? What is this? A building for ants? <laughs> like, how are they going to learn how to read if they can even fit inside the building? <laughs> it's just a replica yeah. of what it should be. Uh, <laughs> that movie's like good. probably, that movie's probably 15 to 20 years old by now, I, I bet. Need to, you know, I just watched it, honestly, yeah. like it's, two weeks ago. It's stupid. Like, it's really dumb. I it's, need to watch it a few more times. Maybe I'll pick up a few more, yeah. you know, funny I lines. I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, yeah, so subscribe to the podcast. We put out a new episode every single day of the week talking about current events talking about liberty talking about the fact that you own yourself isn't that such a crazy idea like i was having a discussion with someone on twitter earlier today and he it's that twitter account that their handle is pay your damn taxes that's the handle and he's always on there telling me to quit whining about that and wasting time and do something more productive and I'm like, says the person who literally spends all day on Twitter telling people to quit talking about the things they want to talk about and do something more productive. Like, right. But I was like, this is a this is a simple principle here. Do you own yourself or does someone else own you? That's that's the question. And almost I believe almost everyone would agree that you own yourself. I think it's better how you dumb it down 
dumb it down is the wrong word. You put it in more clear terms of saying it's not even really about owning yourself. It's about advocating for policies of not forcing other people to do your bidding. Yeah. You know, yeah. like we just advocate for policies to be, to leave people alone. Yeah. You know, like I don't want to force you to do anything. I mean, we teach our kids this. I had a friend that um, when Donald Trump got elected, she was, uh, she's very liberal. And she was saying like, man, now my, I just hate the idea of what my tax money is going to go to now. Like I just, this just makes me think, think that like you should be able to designate where your tax money goes because I don't want it to go to war. I don't want it to go to, you know, whatever she thought stuff from, you know, Donald Trump being president. This is really just the same things your tax money has always gone towards. Right. Um, but I was like, yeah, that's, that's kind of the idea. Like if you're an anti-war person, and you're forced, you know, money coming out of your paycheck, even if you're an anti-abortion person and you've got like money coming out of your paycheck and then some of it goes to Planned Parenthood or or if you're anti-welfare or whatever and some money comes out of your paycheck and it goes to welfare, like we should all be able to decide what gets done with our money, you know? Yeah. What it's, if you're anti-roads? Yeah, you know? what if you don't like roads? <laughs> what if what if you like buildings burning down to the ground? I mean, right. you don't want to pay for the fire department, you know? So so you really should be able to pick if you own yourself. It's very simple. If do you own yourself or not? If isn't you it, isn't it a weird concept to have to defend yeah, liberty? I think we have to talk about this. It's why a, is it why do why should we have to defend liberty like it should like it doesn't defend itself? And that's something we told the Yale students also when we when we spoke with them. Shout out to Young Americans for Liberty. Go to YAL is it a YALiberty.org if you want to support a great organization. Um we told them like we don't need to be on the defensive here. You've got one side of the argument that's saying that they should be able to take from you as they please and be able to do all these things that you may or may not agree with. They should be able to control your every move, that they should be able to run the world. And you have the other side. That of you're the, dumb and we know what to do yeah. with, with everything better than you do. And then you have the other side of the argument that's like, hey, I just want to be left alone to live my life as a free person. And I want other people to be and, free. And we have to be on the defense about that. Like, I don't have to defend the fact that I freaking own myself. I, I should not have to defend that, you know? I thought we defeated slavery a long time ago. I know. I did, too. I did, too. But we're all we're all forced into this indebted servitude to our almighty U.S. government for the rest of our lives. And it's a it's completely backwards idea that we have to defend it. Like... You own yourself. You've got a limited amount of time on this earth. You trade that time for monetary value so you can have the things that you want in your life. And someone taking a portion of that from you and deciding that they can tell you what percentage of that you get to keep, in essence, means that they own your time, which is the only non-renewable resource which is the same thing as saying that they own a portion of you. So you don't own yourself. Speaking about slavery in the civil war, that reminds me of a meme I saw going around yeah. with a one steak sauce. Oh says, yeah. The since 1862, <laughs> yeah. like somebody in the middle of the civil war decided, you know what we need right now? Yeah. Some delicious steak sauce. That would be a uh, Heinz that, that, you know, uh Heinz was like the I first, it was a one. Well, Heinz, I think owns, 
A1, oh, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, I think Heinz was the first brand, actually. One of the very first brands. Uh, I, I might be mis- misspeaking. On, there's, I know some furniture companies and some plateware companies, things like that. But I think Heinz was one of the first major brands. And yeah, they popped up during the Civil War. Like, hey, <laughs> stuff's really bad out there. You might as well put some tasty sauce on your meat, you know, <laughs> right? you know, th- just to make you feel better about, uh, just, you know, hundreds of thousands of your fellow countrymen dying. I just thought that was, it's, it's kind of sad, but also comical at the yeah. same time. Yeah. Which, by the way, if you need steak sauce, you're not picking the right steaks or you're not cooking them well no. enough, I don't think. It is good sauce, though. I, I grew up putting A1 on my steaks, and then I did realize, like... I might as well just be eating cheeseburgers with with A one on them because really all I'm tasting is A one. I do it. like cheeseburgers with A one. Well, yeah, it's good. And it's those good. crispy onion straws. But like, mm. why get a steak? Like, just get a tougher cheeseburger and put A one on it. You know, right. I mean, if you're gonna get a steak, you know, get it get it cooked right. You're not gonna go get a fifty dollar filet mignon. No, and then you know? and then smother it in A one. Yeah, That's like just, I want it. Smothered, covered, and capped in A1 sauce, sir. <laughs> Are you at Waffle House ordering a filet mignon <laughs> yeah. right now? You're like, uh, uh, sir, this is Ruth Chris, and uh, we don't have A1 here because our steaks come out on an 1,800-degree plate. Yeah. And we went to Ruth Chris while we were in Dallas. We did, thanks was- to all the donations from the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> it was we, one, it, we, we were able to splurge for Christmas. One of the better steaks I've ever had. Yeah. For sure. It I'm was really you, though, good. The sweet potato casserole is why I go there. It was really, yeah, it was good. I've only been there a couple times in my life, but it's literally the sweet potato casserole that lures me into that place. Yeah, that that's true. I can true. taste it right now thinking about it. <laughs> Let's so go. good. Do you want to go? Yeah, cancel the show. All right. Um, I'll, run the, so, I'll run the rules around So here. anyway, we talk about politics on this show, by the way, not just random ramblings about A1 yeah, steak sauce. Politics, economics, yeah. freedom, liberty. All the good things yeah. that make America America. Yep. Okay, um, what do you what do you want to talk about the most today, Charles? What are you feeling? What well, are you feeling? Everything. You feeling yeah. everything? We've got. I just cleared off the SD card, so we can probably talk for eight hours yeah, if right. you want to. Yeah, yeah, we should be good. Let's go for it. Now, I had this really cool article I wanted to run through. Um, it was posted by fee.org. I think it was actually reprinted from libertarianism.org, if I'm not mistaken. So it's called "Imagine If We Paid for Food Like We Do Healthcare." So we can talk a little bit of. I kind of ran this experiment with some people yeah and when i I did a red robin like imagine if you went to red robin like like you did you know a a, a medical provider yeah you had to order your burger but you had burger insurance you know yeah and you accidentally ordered bacon but bacon was out of network you know (laughs) so i like ran through all of those because i really understand the billing side of healthcare. And so if they forget to code your burger properly, then, you know, the insurance is going to deny your burger and then you've got to pay for it, even though you pay your burger insurance premiums. Well, you're in a battle. My wife uses the restaurant analogy also um, when she's talking about why are things so expensive at the hospital? She's like, well, imagine you're going through, we'll just say Red Robin and the 10 people in line in front of you didn't pay for their food. And then you get up there and you're saying, I'm going to pay for my stuff. Because you have burger coverage. Yeah, because you have burger coverage. And they're like, okay, well, you're going to pay the cost of 11 burgers. That's that's what you're going to pay for yeah. because those first 10 people, they didn't pay for it. Now, like we said yesterday. But, the, the, but Red Robin had to give them burgers. Yeah, they had even to. Even though, yeah. They're forced they to, to by law. They have to give everyone burgers. Yeah, so that, um, you know, my, 
she works at the biggest hospital here in Nashville and they collect 18% of their bills that they bill out. They actually collect. So it's, that's what it actually ends up happening is now they have to charge, which creates a vicious cycle, but now they charge for one item. What would have cost them six or, you know, six or seven people, you know, what it's it actually should have paid for it. Yeah. Almost so, two people pay for a hundred. Yeah. If you're at 18%. That'd be 20. That'd be 18 people paying for 100. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. you're right. So it would be like two, less than two out of every 10 people are actually paying their bills. So those two people pay the bill for the rest of all of the other people. And theirs pay. too. So this article is called, Imagine If We Paid For Food Like We Do Healthcare. So close your eyes with me, if you will, uh, dear listener. Just imagine for a second. Unless you're driving. Um, not, I don't know how new your car is. Maybe you're di- driving a Tesla or something like that. Then close your eyes. But if you do close your eyes and something happens, we are not liable for that, by the way. Not so responsible. Close your eyes and imagine, if you will. Play some creepy and melodramatic music in the background of your head. You enter the grocery store parking lot at, parking lot at 4.15 p.m. Having taken off work early because this particular store closes at 5. The Food Mart wasn't your personal preference based on quality, service, amenities, or price. You choose it, like all of your previous food choices, because it was included in your new food management plans network. Thankfully, your Green Cross Green Shield Bronze Select Food Plan is a benefit provided (laughs) by your new employer. There is some payroll deduction stuff that you don't quite understand yet. Most of the plan's $680 monthly premium is hidden from you and drastically reduces your wages. Still, you are happy that your food plan costs, as far as you know, only $123 per paycheck. Despite not being particularly pleased with any of your previous food plans, you always try to take full advantage of the tax-preferred option of buying groceries and eating out as the plan allows. After all, you and most Americans haven't known a different way of eating in your lifetime. This is how you have purchased food since your parents' employer's food plan stopped covering you at age 26. (laughs) Food Mart's entrance is not easy to find, but you finally make your way into the store. You were first greeted by a few women sitting behind a glass-enclosed desk. By greeted, I mean they ask you for your photo ID and food plan card and hand you a clipboard with a stack of forms to to complete. The lobby is crowded, but you manage to find a seat amid the sea of impatient shoppers. You have completed these types of forms dozens of times previously, but dutifully do so again. You still prefer 2% milk, don't like, don't like more than four vegetables, and your peanut allergy is unchanged. Forms completed, you check back in with the receptionist. After 20 minutes of waiting, she assigns you a cart, and you start to shop with your list in hand. Worried that you won't be able to afford everything on your list, you cross off any special items that opt only, and opt only for the basics. As you scurry up and down the aisles, you see there are no prices listed on anything, nor labels telling you what is a bronze select item. You suspect the delicatessen with you inspect. Is it suspect or inspect? The delicatessen with your favorite cheeses is off limits because of the large included with United Food Platinum Plus sign above it that has no mention of Green Cross Green Shield. (laughs) <laughs> so it's ridiculous if you think about going and purchasing a product. Remembering that, egg, remembering that eggs are included as a free GCGS wellness benefit, you get three dozen of those, even though you don't really need any right now. During checkout, the, the cashier rings up the items and asks you for a $30 copay. You are given a six-page receipt with indecipherable codes and then asked to sign a few other forms because some of your items will be billed to you later. 
Although vaguely suspicious that you've been taken advantage of somehow, you are happy that you got a big discount on your $18 box of Tasty Flakes cereal and now have reached your deductible. As you drive home, you remember that your monthly food deductible is $250, and you hope that the balance of the bill isn't overly expensive. Uh, let's see. Overall, your experience of Foodmark was confusing, but you remain thankful that you have access to food through your GCGS plan. Some of your self-employed friends are much worse off. It's much worse. <laughs> Just like you having to you, pay yeah. cash for your surgery. So much worse off that everything went fine. <laughs> the next day, in the mood for tamales, you decide to treat yourself to a Mexican restaurant nearby that you've heard is great. Let's see, the last time you attempted homemade tamales was a disaster, so you leave it to the professionals from now on. Upon arrival, you are saddened to learn that Lola's Cochina is, now, is not part of your GCGS plan. They're out of network. They're out of network. You decide to go down the street to Burrito King, which prominently displays proud to accept GCGS Bronze Select members in its window. They don't serve tamales, but you're determined to stay in network for lunch. After waiting a while to be seated, the waiter takes your order. He seems distracted, and you hope he heard the order correctly. Eventually, a lukewarm burrito arrives at your table. You rush to finish it so you can get back to work on time. Upon checkout, you present your waiter GCGS card, and you're asked for a $10 copay. All right, I'm going to skip, I'm going to skip forward to the government intervention part. Regardless of your favorite scape, scapegoat, most people can agree that having a good food management plan has become increasingly important. It is technically possible to buy a food plan on the private market, but the vast majority of people take whatever their employer offers. The government bestowed a big tax break on employer-purchased food plans a few generations ago. And this is actually what happened back in the uh, early 1900s. This is one of the very first things that happened in the health insurance industry was uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield worked out a deal with the government where employers and people could buy their tax their uh, their insurance plans at a non-tax if you're doing it for your employer. Their only ask, the government's only ask, was that they adhere to community rating standards. That was the trade-off for it. But then you could purchase plans without having to pay any taxes on the plans, basically. This happened literally over 100 years ago. 1907, I think. It was very, very early on. However, now even employers are struggling to absorb the inflation of food plan premiums. They have started to shift more of these costs to employees, increasing both your payroll deduction each month and your out-of-pocket costs every time you actually need to eat. Gone are the days of good food plans with $5 copays and $50 deductibles. Even though they said that you can keep your food plan <laughs> if you like your food plan. If you are wondering why the federal government hasn't intervened to fix this, they have, repeatedly. A couple generations ago, federal and state governments created a myriad of food management programs for various vulnerable populations, including the elderly and the poor. These food management plans function much like private plans, usually administered by the same companies, and are the largest purchasers of food in the nation. But their budgets have swelled to unsustainable levels. To fix this, the government has cut rates paid to food suppliers. In reaction, many food stores and restaurants are opting out of these programs altogether, greatly limiting the choices of where poor and elderly Americans can purchase food or eat. 
A few decades ago, Congress granted the Private American Food Association <laughs> an, an already powerful private organization of food suppliers the authority to set relative value price paid of each food item through a complex coding system. The AFA committee that determines pricing for federal programs has widespread impact, and most private food plans follow the same formulas. Predictably, the AFA Value Committee has become a source of cronyism that favors certain players in the food industry. Despite decades of government interventions, many have still struggled to afford food. So several years ago, Congress passed the Affordable Sustenance Act. (laughs) (laughs) Obama food. (laughs) Obama food. The goals of this plan were numerous, but the, but the main gist was to expand programs for low-income people, subsidize private food plans, moderate-income people on, food, uh, on food.gov, <laughs> and create a legal mandate for all Americans to purchase a qualified food plan. After a decade of national political disputes, including whether free-range pork should be a standard food plan benefit, the ASA's mandates were eventually imposed. The ASA has increased the number of people with food plans from 86% to 92%, but hasn't much um, alternated the trajectory of escalating food costs. Okay, so we see where this is going. It's a little bit ridiculous. Well, you can. Do you want them to open their eyes? Go ahead. Okay. Oh yeah, open. Open your now, eyes now. Open your eyes. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot. The dream has finished. Okay, now open your eyes. Just take take a minute to imagine all of these types of rules, this entire system, imposed into any other system that we have in America in our market when it comes to buying food. If it came to buying cars, if it came to buying your house or a computer or a cell phone, it would be ridiculous, which is the point this article is trying to make. It would be ridiculous to imagine this process for anything else. And nothing's more important than food, by the way. Maybe water, I guess, is more important. I mean, all this sounds completely asinine. It's insane. You're reading through this and you're like, oh my God, like something that you desperately need. Imagine if it was, imagine if it was managed like this. But this is like a shorthand, dumbed down, simplified version of the actual process that we have to go through. For healthcare. For healthcare. Literally something that keeps people alive. Now, you couldn't imagine it for food because every single person on the entire planet needs food all the time. So, you know, you wouldn't want the government managing that. It's amazing that we let the private market manage food production and consumption, something that no one can live without. No one at all can live without it. And we let the private market manage the production and the consumption of this food. And actually, we've ended up with a reverse problem where we actually have a lot of people that are overeating. Overweight. They're overweight because we've produced way too much food. Yeah. And it's something that everyone needs, and we've produced way too much of it. But then we, we look at healthcare, and we're like, oh, no, there's just no way. There's no way the private market could have anything to do with this. We need this system. We need this system yeah. for it. U- Uber ambulance would never work. No, no, no way at all. I mean, you can't even start your own. I was thinking the other day, like, why can't I start my own EMT company? Why can't I advertise my number, which is 9111, 
and you dial that whenever you have a problem and I'll come pick you up in my MT in my EMT van and I'll only charge you a hundred bucks, something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, why can't I do that? Well, you, you literally can't do that. You just can't do it. Mm -mm. You're telling me that no private companies would enter into that market if there were if if there were that ability. Now there's private companies that run ambulance services, but what do you think they do? They allow like one permit for it. They like one or two permits for that it. and there's thousands of pages of paperwork. Oh yeah. And the, all kinds of licenses and all kinds of things that you have to have. Yeah. But why couldn't I just start one where like, okay, well that one says that they they do it cheaper. And from what I hear, actually, from their reviews online, everyone's been pretty happy with their service. Yeah. So instead of just dialing 911 and getting whoever happens to be close to me, I'm going to call the Good Morning Liberty Ambulance Service. And so far, they have zero them. deaths yeah. inside their ambulance. They've got zero deaths. Okay. The reviews Five right here online. Rating. Look at this. It says their drivers are really good. I can look at profiles for everyone. They're, look at this. Their EMT, he went to... Johns Hopkins, and he just wanted to be an EMT instead of being a brain surgeon. That's just, that's amazing. And now they you say, know? now accepting in-network and out-of-network. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Any, anything, yeah. yeah. So, uh, I mean, this whole, this whole problem with the healthcare industry, like we said yesterday, it goes back over 100 years that the government got involved in this. Over 100 years. And then we, you know, we use insurance for everything. And that's created a massive problem because insurance is no longer what insurance used to be. Insurance is supposed to protect you against the risk of something that is unlikely to happen. Right. The insurance company is betting because there's a bigger percentage chance that it won't happen than it will. So they're going to take the bet that they're going to insure people against a risk. And then, and then if something bad does happen, then they'll pay out. Instead, we've got insurance that just covers is supposed to cover everything. It's supposed to cover things that you know for sure are going to happen, like your yearly checkup and like like going to get little procedures done that you could have paid for cheaper out of pocket. You know, I paid two fifty for an MRI whenever I severed that tendon. You paid what three hundred something for a CT scan with contrast? Yeah, I think it was like three ten. Yeah, so, yeah, something like that for so, the whole, for the whole thing. It's just, and, and you know, the whole insurance market, that, that thing really took effect. It really took effect during the Great Depression. It happened whenever FDR froze wages. The businesses were no longer to offer, uh, no longer allowed to offer more money to people to compete for their services. They were no longer uh, allowed to raise the wages anymore. So what they started doing was they started offering benefits. Platinum plans. Yeah. They started offering, mm -hmm. okay, well, we can't give you higher wages. Diamond member. But we will pay for health insurance for you. So then that was the birth of widespread benefits around businesses. And then this whole thing just keeps snowballing and snowballing. And now you have these insurance companies paying for things that insurance companies should not be paying for, which raises the overall market price of everything because the insurance companies have more money than any single individual to pay for something. So now the market price just keeps going up and up. And you literally have, you know, when Milton Friedman said any, any problem in the free market that you give over to gov government, all you do is transfer a problem from a market problem to a government problem. Yeah. And you've had now over a century of the federal government trying to quote unquote help in the healthcare 
market. And all they've done over the last hundred years is make things worse. Yeah. And yet here we are still touting from the far left that the, what we need to fix this is to give it all to government. Yeah. And it will be free, right? And, it'll and, just be free. Yeah. It'll be free and better somehow. All of their interventions has only made it worse. Yet we just need the final step. Yeah. We yeah. need the Medicare for all. That's this, why it hasn't worked because we haven't done it for all. This idea that we're going to save money. I want people to remember, and, and this is was I feel for anyone that has recurring medical problems. I, I really, I mean, uh, trust me, people in my family, people close to me, like I, I, I get it. But costs will only go down for people that are using the medical system all the time. For everyone else who is not using the medical system all the time, costs will go up astronomically, exponentially, because you'll be paying the same tax that everyone else will. And you won't be using the system. Now you'll be more likely to use the system now because of basic economics. If you've got an opportunity to go to the doctor for free, you're more likely to use that every time you get some type of a cold in any any type of problem that there is. Why why wouldn't you? You'll use more of a service if it's offered to you for free. So it's Well and ask yourself who has benefited in the government, you know, making their way into this market. The well, it's the insurance the, companies the insurance, and the government. Yeah. The government, the people who want political power and then the insurance companies, the ones who have survived because they bought off the right politicians to write the right regulations to limit the market from competition. Those people, a few drug manufacturers who have bought off the right amount of people so they can write, get the FDA to write the right amount of regulation to limit their competition in the market. Uh, so there have been a few people who have really benefited from this. And then possibly you could say, um, you know, there's always going to be an argument for the elderly needing something like Medicare. Now, I don't think the government is the most efficient way to take care of that problem. And then you can see all the problems that happened after Medicare. I mean, the cost of health care per person at the time Medicare was even in, enacted. It's like less than $500 per person per year is what people were spending on medical expenses. And now it's, I mean, it's a ridiculous amount now. And you can see the cost just if you were to pull up a line chart of medical expenses and look where that line just started rocketing up. It's whenever they enacted Medicare. It's whenever we brought in a trillion dollars of taxpayer money and flooded it into the healthcare market. The prices started shooting up astronomically it's 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 crazy so just consider that idea how ridiculous it is the way that we pay for our health care find ways to you know look around your city nashville's lucky enough to have some doctor's offices that offer subscription plans uh, where you can pay 60 bucks a month and you get you know unlimited medical visits visits and and testing and things like that uh, walmart has started the walmart health thing in georgia where they've opened up a legitimate doctor's office in their Walmart where they do, it's non-insurance. You pay $40 for your doctor's visit. It's like $25 for an x-ray. It's, it's cash pricing that's listed out on a menu board for people to pay for things. And those are the kind of solutions that we need to look towards. It's, it's actually treating healthcare as a product and service 
that is delivered to you by other people, which is exactly what it is, just like every other product and service that exists. And if we actually start treating it like a product and service that's delivered to you by other people and let it exist in a market just like all the other products that we have inside of our evil, evil capitalist market where things continue to get better and cheaper all the time, um, then th- that would be a good thing for healthcare. I don't know about what you think about it, but I was going to, I was looking at the article again because there's a, a two and really important things that he said in this story <clears throat> that you and I have been talking about for decades. <laughs> <laughs> now that you and I have been talking about on this podcast. And when it comes to healthcare, like we know a thing or two, cause we've seen the thing or two. <laughs> All right. And he said a couple of really important things up here at the top. He said, when, when you check out of the, of the grocery store, you're given a six page receipt with indecipherable codes and then asked to sign a few other forms because some of your items will be billed to you later. So the indecipherable codes. And then later on in the article, he talks about the, um, the value committee, the AFA. Yeah. Um, that they go through a complex, uh, the complex coding system, uh, and the AFA committee that determines pricing for federal programs has widespread, widespread impact. And most private food plans follow the same formulas. Now, Nate and I have been telling you in the healthcare industry, Medicare, you know, obviously government intervention has been there for over a century, but we really see the massive downfall or I guess you can say windfall of healthcare prices yeah. start to increase when Medicare and Medicaid was passed in 1964, 65. And so what happens is, is that all of this coding that is done, which by the way, you can go to Washington publishing, everything's listed online. It's public yep. information. You can see all the different codes. You can go to CMC, um, CMC. Yeah. Yep. Is it .gov or it might be, I think I'm not sure so. what it is. Um, and you can see all of the different codings for your diagnosis. You can look up what they mean because you're going to get a on your bill. You have all these indecipherable codes. So what they've done is they've standardized all these codes. And what happens is if you go to Washington Publishing and you look up um, what's called 835, which are your remits, which is your reasons for denial. There are thousands of codes, by the way. Yeah. Um, if you go look up some of those codes, those, it's uh, just Carson quite, Rarks. Yeah. Carson Rarks. Uh, and those actually stand for claim advice. Uh, the CARC is claim advice uh, remit, uh, claim advice remark code, which is your remit code, your denial code, and your RART code is a more descriptive. It's your remittance advice remark code, and mm-hmm. so these are standard codes developed by this committee. Yeah. Um, in in uh, in the healthcare world, it's the FDA, um, not the American Food Association. The F F <laughs> The AFA, uh, but anyway, they arbitrarily decide. It's not arbitrarily. Apparently, they're experts, but they say, "Okay, for this procedure, we're only going to pay this much, and if all of these things are included, if you don't jump through all of these hoops, then we'll deny you." Yeah. For instance, there's one denial called untimely filing, which is the most bogus thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Which is if you do not submit the bill within a certain time frame. Then they're just like, yeah, we're not going to pay it. Not going to pay it. I don't care if you provided the service. It's, this is untimely. And the problem is that is a rule that Medicare sets where Medicare won't pay it. 
And then also what happens is the insurance companies follow suit. Exactly. And then they do the same thing. And they know they can get away with it because the government does it. Yeah. And one of the craziest things that my wife let me in on was something called uh, a geometric length of stay. And so what they've done inside of these rules is they've gone through and they've decided if you have the, um, if, if you have an appendectomy, well, you should be an inpatient and you should, you should be, you know, just go to your post-op and then you should leave a few hours later. And so like your geometric length to say, this is a bad example, but you might say it's like five hours, something like that. If it's something else, say that you have a major surgery, they're like, well, if you have a stroke, well, then your geometric length of stay is three days. Okay. So they decide that they're going to pay out for your stay for three days. Okay. And, and then this is what happens. If you have complications, if you have anything else, other kind of pre-existing conditions, something that makes it to where you stay for longer than the geometric length of stay that's been determined by Medicare and then followed suit by the insurance companies, if you stay longer, you don't get paid. They don't pay out for it. They only pay for whatever the government has determined is the geometric length of stay for that specific thing. And it applies to everyone. Everyone. This is, this is what makes me so mad about people arguing for Medicare for all is you don't understand it. Yeah. You don't understand it. You're arguing, arguing for something. You're literally regurgitating words that Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, or whoever on the left has told you that unfettered capitalism or this private healthcare market, which we don't have, that you don't understand is bad. And what we need to, for it to be good is for government to take control of it. When the government doesn't give a damn about you, yeah. they don't care. Do they really mm-hmm. care about your complications? They care about what your doctor has concerns over. If he wants to keep you overnight for observation or keep you in a minute, a couple, a couple extra days because they don't know what's wrong with you and they want to figure it out. You think the really, the government really cares about your health care? No, they care about your geometric length of stay. Yeah. And if it goes longer than that, they don't care. Well, they've got a system. Your complications be damned. They don't care. And you don't understand it. They've got a system that's like from one to five, that like a complexity scale for, for your case. So like you come in and you've got a, a, a knife sticking in your chest. And uh, okay, well, there's like a code for that. There probably is literally an ICD-10 code for knife in your chest. Yeah, more, more than likely, there's some type uh, of there's like a, there's it's a, a code wound. there's a code for every for every single possible thing. Well, your doctor like this might be really complicated because oh, it's close to your aorta, or it's close to your like it's it's close to something, and he's got to try and do enough paperwork to prove that this was a five on the complexity scale because they're going to pay out based on how that actual thing rated on the complexity scale for for that specific thing. It's not going to be what your time was or what anything like that was. You've got to be able to rate this as complex as you possibly can. So then the, a, a doctor, after they see you, they got to spend like two hours doing paperwork, writing up uh, on every single possible reason that this was a more complex issue. And it, it just ends up being really ridiculous. It's like you go in with a knife wound and they're like, okay, well, what's your pain level? Uh, you know, how is it that have you had any burning sensations lately? You know, um, how are your feet? Do your feet feel okay? Okay, well, I gotta check that off the list. You know, they got to try and mark as many things as possible to make sure that you're you're going to rate as high as you can on that scale. And it's just the system. The system doesn't work. We don't have a private health care market. We don't have a free market for health care. 
for so blaming the issues of pricing and the healthcare industry on free market capitalism and greed is completely asinine. It makes no sense whatsoever. We have zero semblance of a free market in healthcare. You know where you see a free market? Like plastic surgery, LASIK, LASIK eye surgery, things like that. And look at the prices where they've gone. They keep going down. Things. They just keep going down. You can get some new boobies for like five grand. It's getting cheap. I was looking <laughs> at getting boobs the other day, and it's it's just getting cheaper and cheaper. You know, cheaper and cheaper. You know, Lord, you can get liposuction or whatever the you know they're freezing fat off of you and stuff now for for five hundred bucks. You know, when you used to have to pay tens of thousands of dollars when the technology first came out, it just keeps getting cheaper and yeah. cheaper because those markets exist partially outside of the regulation and in, in that industry because they haven't been overregulated yet that's where you actually see prices or going down your, on things if you give your doctors cash they'll give you big discounts because they don't yeah. have to deal with the hassle of trying to collect the money exactly i looked up some of these uh car and rock codes for people you know i know a lot of these but i i just want to look them up because when you actually read them they're just and no none of you guys are going to go out and read them which is fine this is boring <laughs> i get it <laughs> but if you just look at some of these, like the very first one, the the first RARC code, which is remittance advice remark code, is M1. So if you get an M1 denial, it's a denial for your claim. It says x-ray not taken within the past 12 months or near enough to the start of treatment. So even if your doctor ordered an x-ray, they're like, ha! Yeah. yeah, you didn't take it within the last past 12 months or near enough to the start of treatment. We <laughs> so decided. Yeah. Yeah. What the hell? So they're like, yeah, we're not going to pay for that X-ray. Nope, not going to do it. Um, if your doctor says you need a new piece of equipment and you could get an M3 code here, denial, it says equipment is the same or similar to equipment already being used. Yeah. So like, oh, you don't need that. New so you're going to get like a clinical denial or you got to go through your yeah. actual clinical review where they've got to pay a doctor or a nurse to sit there and fill out paperwork all day, verifying that you actually needed what the doctor said you needed. Yeah. You know, they've got to worry about that too. Here's another one. M8. We do not accept blood gas test results when the test was conducted by a medical supplier or taken while the patient is on oxygen. So even if you're on oxygen, because like you need to be, let's say you have COPD or something in your O2 sats, your O2 saturation in your blood, which should be high 90s. Maybe it's hovering around 90, uh, which isn't good. And so they want you on oxygen, but they also want to test your blood gas results, like your other gas, see what your carbon dioxide is or um, your other different gases that you have in your system. Yeah, they're not going to pay for it yeah. because you're on oxygen. They just decided, oh, even though your doctor thinks this is what's best for you so we can see what's going on. Nope. So who do you think came up with all of these ways that you can deny payment? Yeah, the uh, quote unquote medical professionals, yeah. unelected bureaucrats. It's the people who paid. It's the people who actually wrote the laws and wrote the regulations. You, Bernie Sanders is not going to sit there and write out these regulations. Some other healthcare professional is going to write out these regulations. Someone who works within this industry is going to write out the regulations and they're going to write out these thousand different reasons that they can deny pain for something. And that's just the way it's always been. This system is completely corrupt. It's completely ridiculous. And it's not a free market at all. Here's another good one. I just want to read one last one. Some of these are really long, by the way. M25. 
So they just decided here, they said, the information furnished does not substantiate the need for this level of service. If you believe the service should have been fully covered as billed, or if you did not know and could not reasonably have ex- have been expected to know that we would not pay for this. <laughs> level like you have of to service. go to court yeah. on this. <laughs> or if you notified the patient in writing in advance that we would not pay for this level of service and he, she agreed in writing to pay, ask us to review your claim within a hundred, within 120 days of the date of this notice. <laughs> If you do not request an appeal, we will, upon application from the patient, reimburse him or her for the amount you have collected from him or her in excess of any deductible and coinsurance amounts. We will recover the reimbursement from you as an overpayment. <laughs> Great. The information now that says keeps going. Oh, wow. The information furnished does not substantiate the need for this level of service. If you have collected any amount from the patient for this level of service, any amount that exceeds a limiting charge for the less extensive service, the law requires you to refund that amount to the patient within 30 days of receiving this notice. Man, that that <laughs> that free market. It's yeah. just it's the reason that, that everything's so expensive. It's yeah. the free market. Of course That's what it, it is. is. Yeah. Somebody has to know all this stuff, by the way. And by the way, this is not just. Uh, something from an insurance company like this is dealing with Medicare also like this is dealing with trying to get payment from Medicare and we want to have Medicare for all just so you know just Medicare for y'all everyone's gonna have it (laughs) okay and we're not even discussing whether or not it could ever freaking be paid for oh here's a good one M37 not covered when the patient is under 35 why just not covered just no patients under 35 not covered. Whoa, they want to run for president? What what blanket, is it? Blanket not covered. <laughs> I have no idea. No one no one even knows what that means. <laughs> oh man, that free market. We gotta get rid of that free market. Yeah. It's, so it's if killing whenever everything. you're bored, look up Kark and Rock codes. You can just go look at all the reasons they can deny your claims. Um missing incomplete invalid condition code. Missing incomplete invalid occurrence code. Uh, missing incomplete invalence occurrence occurrence span code. So you have to have condition code, diagnosis code, occurrence code, occurrence span codes, the value codes, revenue codes, procedure codes, um, dates of service, total charges. There's so much in here. This is it's why there absolutely are absolutely insane. This is why there are entire skyscrapers in Nashville filled with people who are just trying to recoup billing. This is how my this is how our business exists. Yeah. Literally, my business exists to help healthcare companies navigate all of this stuff in a technological way. Yeah. To make it more efficient. We work in, it's a software automation. So doing a little bit of coding and basically like all these things through here, what you don't want as a medical professional is to have to sit there and manually do all of this stuff. So you have to set in these codes like, okay, they said this reason for denial. And that's going to trigger this whole thing of actions for going through an appeal process. Does it need to go through a clinical review? Does someone need to sign off on it? So you want all these systems automated inside of your billing system for whatever healthcare company you're running. And uh, Charlie did this for chs for hca doing it for another uh company that's out of uh are they in indiana is that right um something like that washington dc okay and then louisville okay yeah <clears throat> yep several so, places okay so so it's a you know it's a really big industry just trying to collect payment and that would not all be solved simply because it would be through medicare 
because Medicare is denying all these things too. The government denies all these payments too. Yeah, so, so what we do is we take claims, all these claims that people have, and when we, uh, we receive these um, denials electronically, one of the things that we can do in our healthcare business is we, we take the electronic denials that get sent by private insurance companies and Medicare, and we automatically apply to those to the claims, and then we put those claims in, a, in front of a worker that needs to see them that understands those codes. Yeah. So it's an automatic, instead of somebody having to review every single claim and try to figure out what denial is what, and I don't, because I'm telling you, there's hundreds of them, if not thousands, I don't even know all of them by heart because there's so many, it's ridiculous. And I've been doing this for like seven years. And so, but we take the codes and the description of them and we place it on that account for that user. And we put them in front of people that know how to work those specific denials. And maybe it's as simple. So it automates it. Maybe it's as simple as sending out a correspondence out to the patient, something like that. Maybe you yeah. got to send the bill out now, so yep. for the balance, something like that. So anyway, guys, this all goes to say what we're talking about. Don't let anyone tell you that the free market has destroyed healthcare. We ha- we do not have a free market healthcare system. I would love to try a free market healthcare system. I think that would be worth trying someday is a free market healthcare system because I haven't seen one. Your parents didn't see one. Most of your grandparents didn't see an actual free market in healthcare. And it would be amazing to see with all the technological innovations, with all the efficiencies that are created inside of every other market. You know, look at the price of a freaking flat screen TV. Look at, look at the price. Look at what your cell phone does. I know phones are still expensive, like an iPhone still $1,000. But look at what it does. Your phone is worth, I mean, good Lord, you can run an entire country from your, from your freaking phone. You can run an entire business from your phone. Your phone's worth a crazy amount more than what you actually end up paying for it. We've seen these types of innovations happen in the free market, and it would be really great to see what a free market could do for healthcare. And we're not even discussing whether or not Medicare for all could be paid for which it couldn't, by the way. It could not be paid for. It's going to be paid for through debt, which is going to be the devaluation of your currency, which is going to be the, the theft of your life savings and, and the destruction of the dollar at some point in time in your life. And, and so this idea that we're, we're at a point where only the government can fix this problem, you got to realize and you got to tell these people the government caused this problem. Okay, we do not need more government. We need much, much less government involvement, much less to none government involvement in the healthcare industry because everything they do leads to more inefficiency. And you do not want inefficiency in healthcare. We're lucky we're getting the results we're getting right now in the inefficient system that, that we're in. We're lucky that we have the good people working in the healthcare industry that actually care about saving people's lives, that actually means that our healthcare system is, is still, you know, is still achieving its goal, which is saving people's lives. Uh, I, trust me, that's going to go downhill once you leave the U.S. government as the only payer for the services. And things are only going to be more inefficient and more expensive. It's going to be a, a, a terrible, terrible circumstance that happens if this, if this actually goes through. There's literal price controls in here. Yeah. Here's a, here's a new code that started uh, November, 1st, November 1st of 2018. 
the fee scheduled the fee schedule amount for this service was adjusted based on prior competitive bidding rates. For more information, contact your local contractor. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we just adjusted it. Yeah. On competitive bidding rates. I yeah. don't care what you charge for it. No. It's been adjusted. This is what the price is going to be. We've done an average of what people paid for this throughout the entire country. Therefore, that's what we're going to pay for yeah. it. Actually, we probably took the low end, something like that. You it's know, amazing and, and free market system. It's so free market. I just can't believe this it? unfettered <laughs> capitalism inside of healthcare is making it so expensive. All right, guys. Well, very, oh. very special. And ama- we didn't get to any other news items today. We're at almost an hour already. Very special announcement. A really cool opportunity for you guys. We have opened up on our website a way for you to support the show. And don't don't end the podcast yet, okay? I'm, lo- I'm looking. I'm going to look and see if you ended the podcast. Listen, you can go to our website. And what we're going to give you the opportunity to do is sponsor our Facebook advertising, where we're advertising this podcast, or if we write an article about what we just talked about, which some of this was from our website, uh, if we write an article about the wealth tax, about any of these things, we're going to give you the opportunity to sponsor Facebook advertising to get this information out in front of people. We need people to see this. The only way we're going to win in this fight is to get the right information in front of the most amount of people possible. And what we do with any dollar that comes in is we put that money directly in the Facebook advertising to push out the information that's in the articles, that's in the Milton Friedman videos and Thomas Sowell videos that we share on our page uh, to get people to listen to this podcast, things like that, so we can get the right information. If you go to our website, goodmorningliberty.us slash support, and I will put a quick link inside of GML Connect also, so you can check that. Um, you can sponsor monthly, $3, $5, $10, $20, whatever it is, towards Facebook ads specifically. And you're going to get a gift. We're going to send you a gift for signing up for this monthly subscription. If it's $3, we'll send you a nice taxation and stuff button. $5, we'll send you a, a Bernie Lies mug or some kind of coffee mug. If it's $10, we'll send you any merch item that you want. That could be a t-shirt. That could be a a hat, uh, anything like so that. you're getting a deal. A really good deal. You know, you're you're getting an item and our, we're hoping that you will continue the subscription for longer than it will take to recoup the money that we're going to spend giving you this uh, this this gift. Uh, and if you, if you give $20, you can pick two items off the merch store. So one for you and one for your communist uncle uh, that you can give him on his birthday, <laughs> um, something like that. So if you go to our website, goodmorningliberty.us slash support, Or you can go to GML Connect, and I'll put a button right there at the top, and you can select one of these monthly (laughs) subscriptions, and that money will go specifically towards Facebook ads. And you know what I'll add in? Here's what I'll add in. When you do this, we're going to email back and forth, and you tell me specifically what content you want sponsored on Facebook. And we will put a Facebook ad towards whether it's the wealth tax, whether it's all kinds of things that Bernie's lying about that we talk about on BernieLies.com. Uh, whether it's the reason that taxation is theft or why liberty is the most important thing, you tell us what subject matter you want to sponsor in a Facebook post, and the money that you pay towards your monthly subscription will go directly towards advertising that specific thing. So you, you can still go get to, to control website. your money. You control where the money goes. I will send you a thing showing how much money we're spending on Facebook ads if you want to go that far. 
and let's get this message out there to people. We're not keeping this money. We're going to send it directly into getting the message of liberty out there for the most amount of people. So go to GML Connect, and you'll see a button on there that says support. And uh, let's let's get this going. Let's make liberty win. Yeah. Okay. Let's let just we'll do steal it. that it's, from Young Americans for Liberty. That's fine. Take take the responsibility. It's time to stop talking about this. It's time to stop complaining and whining about it all the time and actually put your money where your mouth is and let's get the message out there to the most amount of people look there's no reason to donate to trump's campaign he's got plenty of money he's got money yeah he's fine he's got billions to spend on his presidential campaign yeah we need money (laughs) we need to spend money for you guys yeah so uh do what nate said right now stop what you're doing even if you're driving, there's a button in over. the show notes. There is a link in the show notes. It says GML connect. You click on it. You're literally just a couple buttons away from being able to actually make Liberty yeah. win. And like you said, get yourself something in return, which is awesome. So uh, also share the show with a friend, leave us a rating and review guys. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you guys have a good day. I'm sorry. I hope y'all have a good day and a good morning. Liberty.